0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Downright Upright Show, the place to go to hear out loud and proud what Minnesotans are thinking. And I am your host, Philip Anthony. I'm so glad you can join us today, and I hope you're all doing fantabulous. That's fantastic and fabulous put together, just so you know. My special guest today is Angela Woosley, mortician and educator, who has recently been featured on the PBS documentary Remembering Place A cemetery story, and who also is the owner and founder of Inspired Journeys, a funeral home focused on natural options at the end of life. Angela also serves as an event celebrant. So, welcome, Miss Woosley. May I call you Angela? Please do. (laughs) Okay, great. So, as my listeners know, I like to, uh, to build a foundation, you know, so that they know a little bit about you. So, uh, before we talk about your career, can you tell us where you were born and raised, went to school, and all that that interesting historical stuff about you, Miss Woosley?
1: Oh, when you say historical, it <laughs> makes me feel very old. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's okay. Were you, are you a Minnesotan, by the way? I am not. I am oh. originally from uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, the southeast corner, mm. halfway between Milwaukee and Chicago, and. Nice. Uh, uh, I was one of very few uh, Scandinavian-type folks (laughs) in a very heavily Italian-American town.
0: Really? Very much so. I'm Italian. Really? Uh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You're so funny.
1: So, yeah, I came to to the University of Minnesota to become a mortician, and I liked it so much in Minnesota I stayed.
0: Uh Where where did you go to school uh, for for this uh, field?
1: I went to the University of Minnesota's Program of Mortuary Science. Okay. uh, um, I think it's still the only mortuary science program that is part of a medical school in the country.
0: All right. I I thought maybe it was a different school. Maybe you just got your degree in the U of M and then you went and got... Aren't there like schools just that focus on mortuary science or am I wrong?
1: You are correct. Oh. Um, The... ABFSE or the Academy, no American Board of Funeral Service Examiners, uh, they have a program or a curriculum that can be provided by um, community colleges or just as standalone institutions. Um, but here in Minnesota, it's part of a bachelor's degree program.
0: Oh wow, cool! Uh, what uh, motivated you or got you involved in this field? Like what? happened (laughs) what
1: What (laughs) happened
0: (laughs) yeah what happened
1: well the short answer is that when I was a kid my dad was a Lutheran pastor and my mom was a registered nurse and if you cross your eyes and squint that's a mortician (laughs) I really admired and appreciated my mom's clinical set of skills um, and I my dad was an incredible listener and a kind, calming presence, and those are really the skills that you need as a mortician, that any time I'm caring for the dead, um, I need to be professional and I need to have a scientific mind about it, and both the attachment and detachment that comes with caring for a patient, and then as a, as my dad's counseling skills, uh, really helped me when I'm working with families and helping them, um, navigate grief and the decisions that they have to make.
0: You know, we thank you for what you do. It's, it's very difficult. I can, I can tell you through personal experience, I had dated someone, this is a funny story. I had dated someone that was an, um, a, an undertaker, I guess you would call it, mm-hmm. worked in a funeral home back in New York, um, and um, he, he had said to me, you know, you have to come to my job and see what I do. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm not thinking anything. What's he going to show me, you know? Anyway, cut to the chase. I, I go down these stairs to this like really dreary basement, and there's all these bodies with, like, with sheets on him with toes, the toes sticking it with these little tags, and he's in the middle of embalming someone. And I knew right then and there I needed to go. It wasn't for me. It was very uh, – that's why I'm saying it. we have to thank people that go into this field because it's such a very um, – it's not a very common thing, right? It's It's something Ow. people – yeah, why are you still making that well that's what he said. He said, Come see what I do and I said, Okay and I I did. It was very Why
1: would he do that to to you? The next time somebody says, know. Who hurt you? You say his name
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what it is? Um I had invited him to my job when I was working in, as a paralegal at the time. I was like a legal assistant.
1: And how many dead bodies did you have in a legal office? <laughs> I
0: had none. Zero. None. Zero. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. Normal next offices. Next time I'll think – well, there won't be a next time because right? I'm already married and this is the end for me. I'm done.
1: <laughs> Normal offices don't have dead people in them.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then being in the middle of embalming someone on top oh of gosh. it, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so embalm... Speaking of embalming... (laughs) Speaking of... Embalming our loved ones began during the Civil War. Mm -hmm. We know Abraham Lincoln, our president, was our first president that was embalmed. And can you explain why embalming was embraced in our society and why it is not an environmentally friendly manner of burial?
1: Sure. Um, So it came into... Uh, fashion, in a way, during the Civil War, in part as a way for um, for them to be able to transport the dead uh, the fallen dead from the war back to their homes um, for burial and it gave it gave their families a chance to see them one more time and say goodbye um, and it, because this was kind of the first the first war where every casualty was an American casualty, uh, and we were all kind of in different parts of of the country. That's why it came to be that. Um, Embalming currently uses formaldehyde, which is a known carcinogen, which means it causes cancer. Um, And over the course of its history, embalming has always used either heavy metals or various chemicals, you know, it's a pretty complicated list of interesting ingredients. The formaldehyde itself is still used because it fixes proteins to delay their breakdown or decomposition. Um, but again, it in itself is a dangerous carcinogen. So,
0: right. It is. Mm -hmm. Yep. But, um, in my profession, now that you know that this is not my day job, I, I'm a flight attendant, mm-hmm. and I know that for bodies to be, for example, if someone dies and they want to be buried in their hometown or something, they have to be embalmed first to go on the airplane. Mm-hmm. Um, is there something else they could do? or uh, What would be your suggestion? Because you, you, I know you're totally against embalming, and correct? Um uh, yes no no, I, maybe I so. would say
1: totally against it. I wouldn't want it for myself, but uh-huh. I think it also has a really I mean it, it has a tradition that goes back to the Civil War and um sometimes it's sometimes it is the best option that families have. So whatever is right for the family is what I'm down with. <laughs> but um but yeah, it, it is generally required for air travel. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is generally required for air travel. Am
0: I choking you up? Oh gosh,
1: <laughs> this is a very difficult discussion.
0: <laughs> no, it is. It, uh, well, you know, I I didn't know that you had to be embalmed to be mm-hmm. moved. You know, wh- what if the person's not of a re- of a religion that is against it? What happens in that case then?
1: Well, I have it on a local good authority um, that the folks who are being flown back to Israel. Um, for burial, mm-hmm. because they are Jewish, uh, that they generally are kind of packed in with some refrigerant coolie packs, like, like oh. a little, you know, cooler pack. Um, and several of those, you know, like if you get Blue Apron, you know, it comes with these freezer packs. Those yeah, sorts I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they can also be um, kind of in placed into a container called a Ziegler case that is uh, more... Um, more firmly closed, it kind of screws shut rather than just being, you know, a cardboard box or whatever it might be. So,
0: you know, to piggyback on Jewish traditions, because Mm -hmm. you just conjured up something. When I lived in New York, um, the Jewish people have a tradition called sitting Shiva. Have you heard that? I love that. Mm -hmm. Can Can I tell you why? Because everybody goes there, they bring food, and they talk about the person. It's, it's more familial. It's not in this big venue. It's usually in mm-hmm. someone's home. And they sit on a box or whatever it is mm-hmm. and discuss the person and talk about them and celebrate their life. I loved it. I thought it was rather than just sitting, everybody around crying and, mm-hmm. you know, like in a, in a normal wake, you know, mm-hmm. they, and they celebrate the person. What do you think about that, that tradition?
1: Well, I'm going to go off on a tangent. I'm going to go off. Anthony, because Philip Anthony, Philip Anthony, Philip Anthony. Anthony. I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent because I also really appreciate and love the tradition of Shiva, and a lot of the work that I've done with um, home funerals and the National Home Funeral Alliance really focuses on being able to bring that relaxed, casual atmosphere of healing two spaces after death. So rather than needing to go to a funeral chapel and conjure up tears at 11 a.m. sharp because that's the time frame that the funeral home has available, any time that you can care for and um, be present with the person in their home or elsewhere after death, it just creates a more relaxed
0: atmosphere and calming. Yeah.
1: Calming. And I think that for many people, it does help, um, help them celebrate, help them focus on, um, because they're in, they're in their comfort zone. They're in a familiar environment. It doesn't feel like you have to get dressed up to go there.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I I totally agree with you. I, I just, I, you know, um, having to go to the church and then, -hmm. Walk, you know, seeing the 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 coffin go down the aisle, and then everybody's crying, and then this and that, and then you have to get the limousine come pick you up and take you. You're in your home, right? You're there in the place that you that Mm -hmm. that's your safe space that you love, and you have the people that you love come to your safe space, Mm -hmm. and you can share and talk about. I just, I don't know. I just Mm -hmm. think it's a wonderful tradition, and I wish more more of uh, uh, worldly, world religions would embrace it. It, it. It's wonderful.
1: Well, and it doesn't need to be world religions who are uh, embracing it, but simply people returning to the origins of how we have cared for and loved people after death for hundreds and thousands of years. Um, You don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to be any particular faith or any particular tradition to want to slow down. Um, A very, a very good friend of mine, Ann um, Murphy, is a a home funeral guide, and um, the phrase that she shared with me is, "Death is not an emergency." We have this tendency to. to a person dies, and the nursing home staff says, Okay, we got to call a funeral home. Are you ready to call a funeral home? And you go, No, but okay. And you call the funeral home, and the funeral home says, All right, are you ready for us to come out and whisk that person away? And you say, No, but okay. And then the funeral home comes out, and you whisk away this person, and then you have to schedule a time to see them again. And death is not an emergency. It's okay to slow down. Time dilates, Well, it dilated for me, right? When I was an acute griever, time just slowed way down. And to be able to take those moments and that time and just be present and just let your body feel and react and be a part of that moment gives you a chance to process. It gives you a chance to think with your thoughts and feel your feelings and just be, just be yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm a big fan. Yeah,
0: and, I'm, I, and I think grieving should be on your own terms. Mm-hmm. I don't think it should be on everybody else's. That's just not how I feel about it. You know? I believe
1: it's Alan Wolfelt who said that um, everyone is their own grief expert,
0: uh-huh. right?
1: That you know how you need to be grieving. No one else can tell you better than you mm-hmm. what you and your body and your mind and your spirit need.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Can you talk about the uh, chapels in the cemeteries, uh, such as Lakewood, for Mm -hmm. example? Um, And as a follow-up, which chapel do you find the most historic, ornate, or different in terms of its architecture? Mm -hmm. So talk about a little bit about some of the chapels you've encountered.
1: So when I uh, graduated from the University of Minnesota, I uh, completed my internship at Crystal Lake uh, Funeral Home and Cemetery in North Minneapolis. And I really have always loved being at um, and working at, for a lot of my career, funeral homes on the grounds of a cemetery. And one of the things I like so much about it is that it's a matter of convenience for the family. Um, But it also, cemeteries are a place that you come back to time and time and time again. Funeral homes, you come back to, oh gosh, when I absolutely have to. So for standalone funeral homes, we don't often get to see a family that we've served very soon or regularly, I guess I would say. Mm -hmm. But when I worked at Sunset Funeral Home and Cemetery in Northeast Minneapolis. There was a man in a Cadillac who would come in through the grounds every single day, pull up to his wife's grave and say the rosary in his car when it was cold or outside by her grave when it was nice. They they are a place to return to. And Mm -hmm. I just really appreciate that. And Well, so Sunset's mausoleum and chapel is historic and unusual and, I think, beautiful. Um, It has a lot of nice 1920s stained glass and architecture inside. Um, But also Lakewood's chapel is, is you know, it's a dome. It's a mosaic inside. It's it's a complete work of art. (laughs) Oh, it is, yes. Um, Its acoustics are incredible. Yes. Um, So, yeah, Lakewood... Sorry, Lakewood just takes it away. Lakewood's chapel is beautiful. I know so many morticians who have been married in Lakewood's chapel <laughs> because you know they don't have. I think I think many people who aren't morticians have also been married there. Um, but yeah, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous space. There are yeah. a lot of great spaces. Any other States. chapels
0: you've been to that you could talk about that in that at par with um, Lakewood?
1: at par with lakewood and the twin cities? Yeah, no, probably not. No. No,
0: no. That, that's unique in itself. It's wow. unique.
1: It is absolutely It is beautiful. Unique.
0: I've been in there um and it's mm-hmm. it you feel like it, you're in a cathedral sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. You, you do. Yeah. You know, and it's it's beautiful and the architecture and the yeah. everything about it. Yeah. yeah. I going back to the cemetery thing. I, mm-hmm. I just went went off into tangerine myself. Um <laughs> it um if If my parents were buried in Minnesota, which they're not they're in New York and uh, like I said the v a cemetery mm-hmm. um I would love to have that opportunity to just go at, at at any whim and just go there you know curl up next to the stone and talk mm-hmm. you know i i i I miss that um mm-hmm. being here in Minnesota that's the one thing but i I promised my husband promised me that uh, when my mom is gone, twenty-five years. So she passed in ninety-nine. So in uh, twenty-twenty-four, she'll be, she will have passed uh, twenty-five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he he promised he would take me back to New York, mm-hmm. so I'd have my little time. I do uh, when I first get there. I bawl like a baby because uh, it's, it's, it's very mm-hmm. emotional for me, you know, because my mm-hmm. both of my parents. Because I'm sure you know, like the, in the VA cemeteries, you have the husband. Uh, the the one who served in the, in one part of the the, the grave, mm-hmm. and then the wife on the other side. It's kind of like that.
1: Unless it unless that's the woman who served, in which
0: case. Well, yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm being I'm being a little sexist right now. Just, just <laughs> You know, it's fine. It's but fine. we're um, all learning. Well, back in the d- back <laughs> yeah, in the day, that's all. Right? It was the men that were serving. Unless you yeah. were a whack. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, wax exactly. Whacks. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh. I think. Well, I think I didn't – I I interrupted you with sexism uh, and didn't let you finish your question. No, no, no,
0: no. It wasn't a question. It was just I was – what do you think about Mm. uh, people that don't have that opportunity to, Mm. you know, get on a bus or Mm -hmm. drive to see their loved one in the cemetery and they have – they're so far away? Mm -hmm. Isn't that –
1: Well, here's a question that I have for you. Where in Minnesota or in the Twin Cities – is the place that feels most sacred to you?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, probably my husband's mother's grave.
1: So I would, I would argue, or I would offer to you, that every time you visit your husband's mother's grave,
0: uh-huh.
1: talk to your mom.
0: I can your can mom, I do that?
1: Your mom is not tied to one location. Yeah, you're right. She rejoined the fabric of the whole universe. She returned to the earth, and the whole earth is one big marble, right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so the fact that you are on a global scale what, you know, an inch, an inch away, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> if you yeah. if
1: you're far enough away, your mom is right there.
0: Right.
1: Your mom is right she's right here all right? the time. Yeah. She's right here all the time. But if there's a way that you can just go to that place be in peace and solitude and just ball like a baby do what you need to do talk to her sing to her uh be with her Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be the actual place where you interred her bones right
0: correct yeah it
1: doesn't have to be Right. right you are you are carrying her memory with you everywhere you go and so everywhere you go you have a place of memory mm-hmm. to go to to visit. Um, that that would that would be what I would offer. Is right. anytime anytime I am somewhere that feels important or profound or sacred, I talk to my dad. Anytime something reminds me of my dad, I don't say, "Oh gosh, I wish I could go to the cemetery and tell him about it." He's right here.
0: That makes a lot of sense. He's right here, yeah, yeah. And and I I think the thing that Maybe that triggers me, um, Mm -hmm. Angela. And and, um, it's not the idea that she's gone. Mm -hmm. It's that, you know, my my personal history, my dad was killed when I was a little boy. Mm -hmm. I was about to turn five. So I really didn't know my father very Mm -hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And he was a veteran, and um, he was buried there in the VA. And when my mom died, you know, I would go there and I'd see their both names, and I said, now they're together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're together again because mm-hmm. my mom and dad loved each other, mm-hmm. and and to see that they're in the same place, mm-hmm. I think that's why that cemetery is a little different than if I would just. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? When I'm trying to, I don't know if I'm being. It's powerful.
1: No, you're it's right. It's very
0: powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to think about them being together, mm-hmm. and in other places rather than just at the cemetery. But but mm-hmm. on the anniversary, I would like oh, yeah. to like to go. It,
1: I, sorry, I keep interrupting you. It,
0: no, 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 that's fine.
1: <laughs> I think that for important occasions, for big moments like that, for being able to. Um, observe the twenty fifth anniversary of her de- of her death of her passing. I think it 's great to be able to physically be there, but when you 're not you know it 's like it 's like saying you know do you have to go to a church to to find God you know exactly, and yeah. some people would disagree with me, but you know well I thank think, you for that
0: yeah. that idea because that would maybe that would heal me make me heal better, you know that i 'm not there mm-hmm. you know what i 'm saying
1: I wonder if. Bringing it back to cemeteries and things that they offer, I wonder if it also wouldn't be worth placing a plaque somewhere local um, with uh, you know they've got both
0: they've my got, parents' name. You mean yeah,
1: with your parents' names, maybe a photo or something to be able to to have a, a tangible place where they where you are re- reunited, where you're reminded that they have been reunited, mm-hmm. where there 's a concrete reminder of their love and and their presence in your life
0: you know, i have yeah. up there I have my parents my my dad 's pictures are um, him in the, his um, military uniform. My mom is on the bottom left. And on the top is a picture, the only picture that exists of my dad, mom, and me in the same... Because my dad would take the pictures. so it was always my mom and me. <laughs> <laughs> in those days, they didn't have it. Could right. you, you Anybody in the street, could you, could you come take a picture? Right. It wasn't right. like that. But, yeah, I, I could do that too. So, but oh. thank you for the idea. It's, it's a wonderful, beautiful idea. Mm. Um, so... Um, I remember speaking of my mom as a child, I remember my mom saying, "You must never walk on a grave." Do you ever hear that expression? Yes, yeah. <laughs> is it still a predominant custom, or do modern cemeteries have more designated walking paths for mourners? Do they have walking p- can, in other words, mm-hmm. can you still walk on a grave or uh, is it okay is, mm-hmm. what is your th- What are your thoughts on that
1: so i get I think a lot of people uh, share your worry or share your mom 's Thoughts or advice that we don't really want to be walking across dead people. It feels disrespectful.
0: Correct. Yes. Um,
1: most cemeteries do have an aisle between uh, one row of graves and the next row of graves, but it can be difficult to know uh, if you're at if you're walking on an aisle or a whole row of dead people. So, <laughs> um, so if you. Uh, if you look at the graves themselves as a row, if you can kind of line up the the stones, you should be able to figure out if they're headstones or footstones, meaning either are they at the person's head or feet. And once you've determined that, because if you've got say um, just maybe two feet between one headstone, one row of headstones, and the next, it's not people, you know buried within two feet, so you know that the graves are going the opposite way. So you can locate an aisle to walk through. But what I find more more than anything is that it's really difficult not to walk on the dead at the cemetery. I so know, I know. So more than anything, the usual advice that I hear is not to walk on someone's stones. So, you know, avoid walking on a person's headstone or footstone if it's a flat marker, um, but yeah. Uh, other than that, you can stay on the road and then just kind of eyeball where the rows are to be able to walk in right,
0: between. Right. Okay, that's good advice. Um, and also um, try to be aware of uh, um, where your loved one is, and maybe find a, 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 um the same path every <laughs> time you go, so you know you're not you know disturbing another no. grave. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so can you explain for the listeners about the word undertaker mm-hmm. and how this profession is related to cabinet makers mm-hmm. um, f- from the past, I think, right? In the in mm-hmm. the past, cabinet makers were undertakers, right? And can you talk about that?
1: Sure. Um, so cabinet makers, uh, based on their ability to do woodwork, were um, eventually in America asked to... Uh, while well, you're really good at making a cabinet. Could you make a coffin or a casket for this person who died? And so the cabinet makers undertook that.
0: That's where that, the word um, comes from. Right, wow, it's an okay. undertaking.
1: And, um, and then in addition to making the ca- coffin or casket, then they were asked, well, while you're here, could you place them in the casket or coffin? Or while you're here, could you da-da-da? So it, the profession itself, as a profession, grew out of... The need for caskets and coffins, and the folks who were good at making those things.
0: And did did was there a time? uh, Well, of course there was a time, but there must have been. Was it probably a long time ago where it diverged, where uh, those cabinet makers stopped making cabinets and just coffins, or or did both? Or what what is your thought? What are your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, if you if you look through really really old advertisements. you can you can find ple- places that say cabinets and undertaking, or just undertakers, or um, yeah, you can see the combination and where those where those tended to diverge, uh, because it it did seem that some people were not interested in caring for the dead, and so they just wanted to make cabinets because they want my dad. <laughs> his dad beforehanded. why are you asking me to care for these dead people um so yeah so they they just diverged
0: yeah like carpenters probably too it's just mm-hmm. some of them decided well you know i'm done making you know this little morbid for me i think i'll just stick to building houses you know <laughs> or whatever it is <laughs> they do um so tiny tim Mm-hmm. Speaking of interesting, Tiny Tim, Hubert Humphrey, uh, Paul Wellstone, amongst many under, many others, are buried in our Twin Cities cemeteries. Mm-hmm. Um, do regular people still, to this day, go visit these cemeteries? Do you, do you find that the, the case?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. That's one. Of, that's the purpose of the cemetery, is to have a place to for regular people to go back and remember either other regular people or other famous people I remember one of the oh gosh when was this maybe maybe 20 years ago um, I went to a Memorial Day celebration at Lakewood and there was a tiny Tim impersonator playing some of his tunes oh, uh, by his by his niche in in the mausoleum um, and Paul wellstone's Marker, if you can call it that, is kind of this large boulder, and it's meant to evoke the um, going back to Shiva. Going, it meant meant to meant to evoke uh, the tradition of placing pebbles on. Um,
0: yeah, I heard about stone. that.
1: Yeah. yeah, and that way, if you look around, Paul Wellstone's marker with his name, there's just this rock garden of pebbles. And each pebble is a memory, a prayer, um, you know, that's going to persist. And it's not going to be cleared off like, you know, flowers off a grave.
0: Wow. Yeah. That is such a great idea. And each one represents someone who was, went to pay their respects. uh, Wow. Mm -hmm. And you it's a visual basically, Mm -hmm. you know, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, So, um, Let's go to a different subject. You promote natural burial as opposed to burial that is uh not environmental environmentally favorable. Can you elaborate on this mm-hmm. a little bit for our listeners cuz uh, this is a very intricate thing and I don't want to you know talk about it cuz you know the whole thing <laughs> and you could explain it way better than I could ask it. <laughs> so
1: Well, just like with embalming Um, anything that's right for the family is right for them, whether it's extremely environmentally friendly or extremely not. But I just know that the way that the funeral profession has changed over the years, um, that we are seeing more and more people as they become environmentally conscious in the other parts of their lives, that they're interested in reducing their footprint or impact on the earth after death. And so if they can avoid um, using formaldehyde or heavy metals and chemicals in embalming, um, why not also reduce their impact by not utilizing a vault or concrete outer burial container? Most cemeteries require that. But there's no state law or local law or national law that requires a cemetery um, to utilize Vaults or outer burial containers. So natural burial grounds or natural cemeteries generally just forego that. And you can tell the difference between a natural cemetery and a cemetery that uses vaults. Because if you look out, again, through those rows of spaces, if you look out like at uh, Soldiers and Pioneers, like an, an old, old cemetery, you see that the ground kind of looks like rolling waves. And that's hmm. because of each each grave as the person takes up less room over time, uh, that, that, that earth sinks down. So a concrete outer barrel container makes the earth nice and flat and easy to mow. Hmm. Um, but natural burial includes, yeah, m- skipping out on a concrete outer barrel container, skipping out on embalming, uh, skipping out on, uh, a hardwood or um, metal casket or coffin um, and instead utilizing um, something, maybe a container made from more renewable resources like a linen shroud or a seagrass woven basket casket um, or a simple reclaimed barnwood casket and um, and then simply placed directly into the ground. And then that way, the person is going to return to the earth uh, more easily, more quickly, um, and our bodies benefit the earth around us. Right.
0: So, how uh, does the uh, is there such a thing as natural cremation as well? So, if you're going to bury someone, that's not going to be in a casket. Um, mm-hmm. What can you elaborate on that?
1: Sure. So, um, cremation itself uh, certainly has a lower carbon footprint. Uh, than, you know, a traditional burial with a concrete outer burial container and metal casket and all of that. Right. Uh, but an even lower uh, impact is what we call green cremation or water cremation, or its technical term is alkaline hydrolysis. And this is a form of cremation that, rather than using um, natural gas to and fuel. Uh, fire, uh, you know, a flame-based cremation with direct heat and flame, instead uses a chamber with um, a strong basic solution. So a a, a water, uh, a strong base like... Well, baking soda, so not acid, the opposite of an acid is a strong base. Right, alkaline, yeah. Alkaline, Mm -hmm. alkaline, yeah, Yeah. for the the (laughs) science folks out there. And then uh, either a a little bit of heat, a little bit of pressure um, to accomplish the same thing as cremation. So at the end of a green cremation process, um, we're able to recover cremated remains or ashes, but instead of being charred kind of a light gray, they are snow white. And um, they are soft and porous, and um, we get, we're able to recover even a little bit more. And it has about, oh, I believe it's like a third or a seventh of the environmental impact as, um, as a flame-based cremation.
0: Is it a common procedure now, or it's, is it getting more common? Or in your estimation, mm-hmm. wh- how do you see it uh-
1: it's getting more common. Um, more and more states, I'm not sure, I, I haven't kept up on this, but I'm not sure exactly how many states uh, have legalized green cremation, but Minnesota was the first state in the union to legally recognize it as a form of disposition. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. Oh, cool we're, is, you know, trendsetters. That's we're in Minnesota. We're <laughs> above average, you know.
0: <laughs> Are there any other, um, other than alkaline... Um, Hydrolysis is. Are there any other procedures, or that's the most common one of the of the um, uh, natural cremation methods?
1: That's probably the most common of the other natural uh, options at the end of life. Um, there, you might have heard of things like a mushroom suit or um,
0: yeah, I think an, so. I've heard of an, that. An yeah.
1: entero or something like yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, that too. And yeah. those are all kind of like. Um, In my opinion, again, what's right for every family is right for them. Uh, But they're kind of a middleman between them and natural burial. Like I believe the mushroom suit's effectiveness has actually been disproven, that it doesn't help grow mushrooms because it's too far underground anyway regardless there are other things mushroom suit intero eco pod thing um or what have you um but the other new thing that we're hearing more about is uh natural organic reduction uh or the brand name is recompose if you've heard of that no um so that's out uh started out in washington state by katrina spade um who uh who kind of created it as a, uh, graduate project project. And essentially it's a human composting process, um, that was originally designed to help people accomplish natural burial if they don't have a lot of space. So as a New Yorker, you know that in Manhattan, you probably don't have many natural burial grounds, right? Cause right, the right. space is at a premium. It's a very urban area. So, If there's a building that can accomplish the same thing as natural burial and saves the fuel of driving five counties over to find a place to have a natural burial, that way you can accomplish natural burial within the heart of the city. So that's that human composting that creates um, yards of
0: soil, usable soil. Wow, Wow. I didn't know that. That's why you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Both my parents are buried in uh, Long Island National Cemetery in New York State. It's a VA cemetery. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts about VA cemeteries and um, their practices? And I'll give you an example of one um, unusual practice. Now, in most cemeteries, you can bring flowers or a little, you know, a statue of a saint or whatever your religion is, and we'll put whatever you want there, and it'll be there when you come back. In VA cemeteries, you put the flowers that day, and maybe a week or maybe a day or two—I don't know what the new time frame is—but they have to remove that. You know, remove the flowers. Mm -hmm. What are your um, feelings about that, and what other differences or uh, any comments you have to make about VA cemeteries? Mm -hmm. Well, all
1: sorts of cemeteries have different policies about what you can leave, whether they're real flowers, artificial flowers, whether you can bring in wind chimes and saint statues or, I mean, there are some cemeteries in the twin cities Metro that look kind of like a carnival ground with everything that you can bring (laughs) and leave there. Mm -hmm. Um, and there, which is fine. Uh, and there are others that only allow real flowers and they absolutely clear them within a week. Um, so every cemetery has its own rules, and national cemeteries, as you can imagine, due to the military precision, have, have more rules. <laughs> right, right, right. It wouldn't be the military if there weren't hoops, right? Um, True. But one of the things that I think is really special about national cemeteries and military cemeteries is that, first of all, that every single uh, veteran there, interred there uh, is offered...
0: Uh, Free burial?
1: I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to gather my thoughts. Military honors. Military honors, and of course, you can have military honors in any cemetery for any veteran. Um, but at the national cemetery, like here at Fort Snelling, right. they have their own dedicated team uh-huh. uh, that only performs military honors on their grounds. Um, and I think that that's a really important and powerful ceremony.
0: Yeah, and they have uniform to have. tombstones; mm-hmm. they're all the same.
1: I love I, that. I think as that well. looks
0: beautiful. I, I really do. And there was another thing I was going to say mm-hmm. that they do that I like. Um, well, of course they, they bury for free. You know, you don't. Mm-hmm. It's, it's. You know, if you're a veteran, you get mm-hmm. um, the the whole process is, is you know not, no out of pocket uh, cost. Sure. My mother too because Mm -hmm. she was the bride of a Mm -hmm. veteran. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, anything else I'm I'm leaving out? Um.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I know at Fort Snelling they have um, very precise uh, arrival times. So sometimes, you know... Yeah, I know that. A funeral might run over at church. You might have... An uncle who has given a spontaneous eulogy of fifteen extra minutes, and right, most right. cemeteries, you can call and say, "This is going. We're going to be a few minutes late. You know, we're going to be a half an hour late. Lunch ran over. Whatever it is, at Fort Snelling, you missed it. Five minutes late, you missed it. You're going to have to go to the back of the line, and uh, and simply because there's such a busy, busy cemetery. Um, so yeah, they they do have. Rules and requirements about timing, and then um, visiting hours, uh, what you can leave at the space. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the benefits to veterans of being able to have a space, outer barrel container, and marker all at the government's cost. Yeah. Being entitled to military honors. Being entitled to a flag for burial purposes that can be given to your family. Yep, I have that. Mm-hmm. I have my
0: dad's, yep. My, do you have was given to my mom, and now I have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Do you have a presidential memorial certificate?
0: I'm not sure. How would I know that? Well, because
1: you'd have a certificate.
0: <laughs> yep. We could, we could look through. Well, like we I could, said, I, I was so little when he died, and mm-hmm. I just, when my mom died, I just went through her things. But I don't think mm-hmm. I found that. Yeah. Um, And speaking of, again, Fort Snelling, um, don't you find it unusual that for a place that you have to be prompt, you know, it's right near the airport where all that traffic is, people going to try to catch a flight? I mean... Always found that bizarre. You know, like <laughs> it's it's a cemetery and there's planes flying around and traffic, and uh, I don't well, know. Well, in their
1: defense, wasn't the cemetery there first? <laughs> I think you're right, actually, but
0: I'm not sure. I, I came here later in life, so I'm not, I'm not sure oh, about well. that. You could be right. But uh, anyway, um, now, say now. Say now in your NPR voice. Now. <laughs> and now we have come to. I, I can't do an NPR voice. Let me try. Now. Is that good?
1: Just bring it down and smooth no. it out. Just remember that this is the smooth jazz of voices.
0: <laughs> now. We have come to the part of the show I like to call the shift. Shift with an F. Mm, oh, oh. Because without the F, it's not good. F I. No, <laughs> <laughs> the shift, where I shift the questioning away from your job as president mm-hmm. and owner. Uh, uh, um, I'm sorry, not president and owner. You're the um, uh, just owner. Is fine. Owner, yeah, yeah. yeah, the owner mm-hmm. of. Um, say the name again. I'm, I'm forgetting. Inspired the journeys. Inspired journeys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on your opinions of current affairs, uh-huh. inspired journey. I, I love the name. It, it it. But it doesn't. For some reason, for me, it doesn't conjure up end of life. Uh, uh, imagery, but I love it.
1: Oh. No, it doesn't because it's not Woosley and Sons. Yeah, <laughs> well,
0: that's that's what I was ex- <laughs> expecting. Anyway, so as of the taping of, the, so now we're doing current affairs. Sure. As of the taping of this show, uh, we have a new speaker. His name is Kevin McCarthy. Did you know that? I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, I so heard well. his
1: name a lot over the past few oh, days. Oh, jeez. <laughs>
0: Um, and he'll be doing many investigations, he announced, right? Among them, investigating the origins of COVID and Dr. Fauci. You know, Dr. Fauci, mm-hmm. the one who saved mm-hmm. many lives with the va- uh, mm-hmm. promoting the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And you have seen many people die of COVID in your profession. So mm-hmm. do you think this investigation will be productive, or what are your views on this?
1: My views on the covid investigation that he has promised um i would say that whatever keeps him busy it's fine it's you know go go keep busy but what is it going to produce it's not going to produce the answers that he's looking for because it's not going
0: to save the lives of the people that have have already passed
1: it's not going to save the lives of people who are going to continue to get covid covid Mm -hmm. yeah so um yeah from a healthcare standpoint, it's not going to accomplish anything uh, and hopefully it won't hinder or get in the way of anything as um, medical professionals continue to try to save lives and encourage the use of vaccines and protections that can um, yeah reduce the impact of of the uh, of the disease itself. But yeah, uh, whatever keeps him busy. Um, yeah, he, he's not—he's and- not—he's not, not, not going to accomplish anything, you know. If it's not—if it's not this investigation, it's some other investigation into.
0: Yeah. Into, yeah, that's fine. I have—I have this fear though that by him doing this, it'll um, take the credibility of Dr. Fauci and all everything he's trying to do.
1: You mean? Trump's appointee, Dr. Fauci.
0: <laughs> well, Dr. Fauci, uh, you know, you know as well as I do, has been around for a really long time. I remember during the AIDS Real. crisis in the 80s when people were dying left and right in my life. Yeah, and what I do you lost do then? My, I lost my best friend, mm-hmm. I lost friends, I lost neighbors, I lost so many people. Mm-hmm. And he was the one that was out there pushing to get you know, uh, drugs uh, mm-hmm. passed that were uh, would save lives or keep people alive a little longer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why they're demonizing him. It's kind of sad, and you know.
1: Well, um, he's an easy scapegoat. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, yeah.
1: And I think, in particular, because he's a doctor and he's knowledgeable, and um, I, the way that I see it, is that the Republican strategy has been to uh, be anti-intellectual anti-elite and you uh, hit it right on the head
0: that's what it is he's
1: a smart guy so he must he must be wrong because he's smart um and that's what's going to connect with their base is you know people with all their fancy learnings uh you know but everything's a conspiracy theory yeah. oh, these yeah. days,
0: you know on that well not not for us mm-hmm. you, not for us learned people um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think um they like to make these create these stories I think that can just get their base to donate money mm-hmm. you know or um like i was I was talking to you before um uh, you know who Diamond and Silk are, Those uh, the two uh, African-American right-wing women that were totally against the vaccine and everything, and they love Trump and everything. Well, Diamond died, hmm. one, of, one of the duo.
1: You said today, right? Today.
0: I think it was either today or yesterday. Hmm. Um, uh, so um, I'm thinking that she... And, she and, and by the way, the news report said that she was in the hospital in around Thanksgiving with COVID. So when you go to the hospital with COVID, mm-hmm. you don't have like a fever for a few days or a bad cough or whatever. You, you, you It hit you hard, mm-hmm. really bad. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's what, what, it, what finally um, ended her life because – but she kept saying, oh, no, vaccines, no, and uh, this is all fake, and this is fake, and that's fake, and mm-hmm. – you know, and and unfortunately look what happened to her and she was only fifty-one years old. So this is what I'm saying about misinformation, you know. Yeah. Disinformation. I can't say misinformation, disinformation.
1: Well it's both, right? Well yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's just people who are continuing in good faith to share bad information. But a lot of times it's also people in bad faith sharing bad information. So that that to me is the difference between that mis- and disinformation. You know, Diamond Silk may be very genuine in their beliefs, but that doesn't make them mm-hmm. doesn't make facts different.
0: Yeah, and they're not scientists. You know, yeah. they didn't go yeah. to school and, and study this. You know, um, uh, for years, like Dr. Fauci, has been. That's his whole mm-hmm. life is about these diseases and studying them and immunology and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, for her to come out and 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 debunk Fauci, um, you know, to me that's. You know, I was just thinking something, speaking of AIDS, mm-hmm. um, if the internet was around and we had, you know, uh, social media mm-hmm. in the 80s, mm-hmm. do you think, don't you think AIDS would have been worse? I think, because I think, uh, you know how people were like spreading fake Stuff like saying, oh, if you drink from the same water fountain mm-hmm. as a gay person, you're going to get AIDS. Use toilet well, if you seat, use the yeah. toilet seat, or if you eat from the same uh, utensil, or drink from the mm-hmm. same glass, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, those rumors only kind of spread. They weren't like super mm-hmm. spreaders like they would be today with social media. How mm-hmm. do you think people would have reacted to that back then?
1: Well, this environment right now, I think, is. Culturally and politically is so radically different from, you know, the height of the AIDS crisis. I I think that anything that anything that further divides people is just grist for the mill. That's that's the that's what's on the menu. It's
0: unfortunate. Anyway, um, moving on uh, to the next question.
1: This one more Uh, upbeat. uh, (laughs) Something a little more upbeat. No, actually, it's not no. going, to be, oh, great. going to be
0: upbeat. No, nothing okay. in the news is upbeat, though, Angela. Oh, which is the way tell is. me about it. Twelve people are reported dead after an unusual amount of cyclones that have hit California, leaving 110,000 citizens or more without power. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about how climate change is most likely the reason for these tragedies?
1: Uh, climate change is most likely the reason for these tragedies, is what I think, and I saw that even today... I saw a headline that these are, have been harder on human life than the wildfires in California. I saw that another state of emergency that mudslides and everything. And yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a long, slow road.
0: Um, yeah, and we, tornadoes um, yeah. Are, are, are much much more mm-hmm. prevalent than mm-hmm. they used to be. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you turn around and you see. Whole towns and cities getting demolished by Uh, tornadoes, tides are rising. Um, Mm -hmm. What's that thing in Florida? They have the red tide, I think it's called. It's it's supposed to be killing all the animals and all. I don't. Yeah, it's just crazy. Mm -hmm. And and people still don't think it's a thing. You know, that's what makes me angry. You know, why don't you want renewables? You know, what's the why? You what's your What's up with you? <laughs> you know? What's up with you? Indeed, yeah. indeed.
1: I don't know. I to me, uh, the fact that we had pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord was a terrible. Terrible move. Um,
0: and no, oh, Voldemort did that though.
1: Well, <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> oh, he who shall not that be, be named.
0: named? Like, yeah, That's like, why uh, uh, call him that. Yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of inaction, and I think that, uh, oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a, ho- a lot of hope globally. I'm really glad that we um, committed to uh, money for the countries that are going to be most hardest hit. Most hardest? <laughs> the hardest hit yeah, yeah. by by climate change. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's All we a can shame. do is
0: pray and hope these people can... Um, have a change of heart and start thinking more about mm-hmm. the world as belonging to all of us mm-hmm. and something that we really have to take care of. Like like as if you had a baby. You know how you take yeah. care of a baby and you want it to grow and yeah. you know have a good life? That's what our earth – we only have one earth. Where are we going to go? You're going to build – uh, you know, uh, a city on the moon or something. Yeah. I mean,
1: <laughs> Elon Musk would like us to go to Mars.
0: <laughs> Maybe that's why he's got the, right. the whole, the whole, ca- uh, what is it? A spaceship ready to go, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, what are your thoughts about, now this is going in a different direction. Oh, great. I just love current events. What <laughs> are your thoughts about the January 6th style insurrection attempt in Brazil? By pro Bolsonaro fascists. Do you think fascism is growing throughout the world and how can we stop it? (laughs) What can we do? I mean, do you think it's, first of all, do you think it's growing around the world or do you think we're nipping it in the bud little by little?
1: Well, I think that I've heard on places like NPR, (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that absolutely white nationalism and fascism and authoritarian. uh, style, uh, government is all increasing. We've got more hard right politicians being elected in, uh, various countries in um, Italy and Scandinavia. Sweden. You yeah. Know. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a lot of that. And they had
0: on. an uprising in Germany, I heard Yeah, recently. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and yeah, I'm not surprised honestly, in by what happened in Brazil, uh, just like I'm not surprised that Bolsonaro is hanging out in Florida with his other favorite loser.
0: You know, Yeah, um, I know. That's kind of scaring me. You know, like he's because he knows that's a safe place for him, Florida. Well, there's right? got to
1: be some extradition that can happen. And regardless, I don't know. I, I, if I could solve, you know, fascism. Uh, I, I would probably switch careers. Yeah, yeah, But as a lowly mortician, I don't know how to solve it. I do see that it's on the rise. And I was just simply not surprised, I guess, by I by what happened.
0: I saw that and I said, wow, doesn't it sound mm-hmm. like a, a deja vu all over again? You sure. know, Bolsonaro claiming the, the election stolen.
1: Mm-hmm. Would not transfer power. Would
0: not transfer power. Did not show up at the inauguration of the new president. What's his name? Luna?
1: Lula. Is Lula, his nickname. Lula. Yeah, no, oh, he was eating KFC the day of his inauguration. He was eating KFC in Florida. In
0: Florida, mm-hmm. and and coincidentally, um, Florida is led by the none other than uh, Ron, mm-hmm. little Trump, Desantis. <laughs> I call him Baby Trump, and uh, because if Trump doesn't oh. get the nomination, yeah, it could be Baby Trump, and it, you'll have the. The young face mm-hmm. with the same trumpism and hate and all that stuff. Because mm-hmm. right now he's just like, I mean, mm-hmm. down in Florida, you can't even a, a teacher can't even tell little kids that, oh, I'm, I, I, this is my wife. This is my wife, exactly. If she's a woman or exactly. vice versa, or you can't talk mm-hmm. about. Your identity, if a, if a right. kid feels that they're not, you know, I, this mm-hmm. is my pronoun, mm-hmm. what the hell is the difference? If you tell mm-hmm. me you want to be called Mimi, mm-hmm. I'll call you Mimi, because that's mm-hmm. what you want to be. What's the big deal? Like, I don't understand these pronoun problems. I mean, yeah. it's know, a big, it's a big you, deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, my name's mm-hmm. Philip, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And your name's Angela. Mm-hmm. If you say to me, Philip, I, I'd rather you call me Ange. Mm-hmm. I'll call you Ange. Mm-hmm. If I say to you Angela, I'd rather you call me Phil, which I hate, but <laughs> call me Phil. Okay, you'll do that. What's the issue with these people with with causing making mountains out of molehills mole about pronouns? I don't. I don't One know. word. Wokeness. <gasps> oh God, yeah. I don't want, I, we don't want that. We don't yeah. want to be woke. Well, again, respectful. I, right.
1: <laughs> we don't. We don't want to improve. <laughs> we don't want to become kinder we don't want to become more expansive more inclusive
0: we respectful don't respectful that's you, my big word yeah. with wokeness it's respect right. because if someone you if know, I
1: have to show you the same respect I show somebody else what does that mean for me yeah, 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 right exactly it means nothing it means it's no skin off your nose just ugh. yeah, yeah. I'm with you.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And
1: also, I did hear. Speaking of Bolsonaro having KFC, I heard that he was admitted to the hospital with some abdominal problems today.
0: Was it from the KFC?
1: <laughs> I can only hope. I, I I am anxiously awaiting KFC's public statement on the health and efficacy of their their chicken products. Probably, as you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe we can tie it in with the COVID somehow.
0: Yeah, it, it'll maybe. be the new Ivermectin. Well, he did have yeah, he did <laughs> He did have COVID. I remember back in the day, and he um, he said, "Oh, I'll be okay, and I'll make it." You know, like like Trump did. You know, he pulled the mask off, the whole deal. You know, and made it seem like this is not a big deal. You know, mm-hmm. people are dying left and right, but just mm-hmm. don't worry about it. You know, it's fine. fine fine. It'll just everybody mm-hmm. be fine. Anyway, where am I now? Oh, <laughs> before we end the show, is there any particular political story um that I haven't mentioned that you would like to talk about at all or anything going on in the world that you have particular interest in? Or should I talk about the queer community?
1: Let's talk about the queer community
0: because I always have a question my listeners know about the queer community um, mm-hmm. on my show because I happen to be a member of the LGBTQ plus community and I am the um, the G of the LGBTQ plus <laughs> community. I'm a B in multiple ways. You're a B, <laughs> yeah, and I just and have a lot of L friends and <laughs> yeah, I love the love the mosaic. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. So the uh, queer community has the protection of marriage to help navigate end of life decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, does that leave a gap or any gap at all? Sure. So in, in
1: our alphabetic rainbow family, um, uh, trans members are, I think the new group that can use some attention, attention and protection and, and focus. So, um, Before marriage equality was the law of the land, Mm -hmm. you might have recalled or had experiences that it was kind of hard to have your partner of, say, 40 years make the decisions for you after you've died, and instead you had to negotiate with that person's parents who may or may not agree with your quote-unquote lifestyle. Lifestyle.
0: Right, <laughs> that's a good NPR voice. Lifestyle, give lifestyle. me a break. Give me a break. <laughs> I don't agree with that lifestyle. Yeah, we did have to get power of attorney when I was right. uh, when I first diagnosed back in two thousand and nine with mm-hmm. cancer, mm-hmm. and I survived that. But um, you
1: survived the power of attorney. <laughs> of attorney. <laughs> so but but you did. Mari- but
0: marriage equality passed in fifteen, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that was six years after that. So, so
1: yeah, yeah. So right now. It's easy for your spouse, if and when you die. That and spoilers, we're all going to die. It would be easy for your spouse to be able to make those decisions uh, without any question, because Mm -hmm. you have that protection. Um, A trans person, uh, if they are in danger of say um, their parents, if their parents would be their legal next of kin, uh, without without any other protection or action on their part, their parents could decide to misgender them after death, dead name them, celebrate the life of someone who basically doesn't exist anymore. Um, And that's, that's a real problem. I think Mm -hmm. Uh, especially when you think of the increased um, risk of violence um, being perpetrated against trans folks um, to then also suffer the, Erasure of who you are as a human being.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think that's I think that's a real problem that we have, and currently, uh, trans folks can take steps, just like pre marriage equality uh, queer couples could take steps to ensure that. Their identity, their lifestyle choices, were respected after death.
0: Right? Ay, I I love that lifestyle yeah. choice thing. Lifestyle choice, like who the hell was who gave me a ballot to check off what <laughs> what sexual orientation I was going to be? I mean, it's so stupid. Oh, I can't stand. Are you saying that,
1: that that's not a lifestyle choice? <laughs> Like whether you want to drive
0: a coupe or a sedan. Yeah, yeah, because you got to remember, I was brought up. I came of age in the seventies. Do you think anybody in their right mind in the especially in the seventies would choose to be gay? (laughs) Choose it? Like, say, yeah, I'd love to upset my parents and my Uh family, be ostracized, have to sneak in a gay bar Mm -hmm. and uh, you know Mm -hmm. meet guys in a in a in a shadowy like you know dirty room like i thought you
1: guys just enjoyed the intrigue
0: (laughs) no No, it it was tough it was very tough it was it it was hard because i was i was pretty much being a phony a lot of the time you know i was i was i was and you know who gets hurt the most though angela this is what i like to tell all my straight friends you know it's the straight person that you're dating uh, to try to cover up to how many girls i dated um
1: somebody think of that, the beards that i have
0: yeah and and i broke up with them and they were crying and yeah. upset and i hurt so many people's feelings i mean i tell this story to my husband he left i met a i was dating this girl um i'll use well i could use her first name barbara yeah. her name was and i broke up with her and I, I broke up with up with her to her face because i know oh, that's one thing i always did and didn't believe in the telephone even before we had cell phones and mm-hmm you know, FaceTime and all that stuff. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I could have called on the landline and said, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't want to see you anymore. But um, I remember her taking it so bad that when I left, she lived in a five-story building. And she was, uh, she extended her legs out the window, screaming oh. at me, I'm going to jump. I, I'm going to oh. jump. I can't, you know, I don't know how you could do this to me. And she was crying. And, and I remember oh. to myself, I'm ruining other people's lives. Mm-hmm. What a horrible oh. person I am! Nope. <laughs> no, no, I, I mean I'm I'm saying that to me. Right. But meantime, it's not me; right. it's the society right. around me that's making me lie. Right. Because if they accepted me and just said, "Okay, what's the big deal?" Mm-hmm. I this would never happen in the first place. I would have been with a guy, right. you know. Right. So anyway, but um, unfortunately, mm. we have come to the end of the show today, and I want to just thank you so much for coming on oh, the thank Downright you so much Upright for Show me and having. I hope you you, promise me one thing that you'll I loved having you as a guest I really did you're a lot of fun Very enlightening. Um, I learned so much from you. Would you like to come on the show again in the future? Do you think you would do
1: that? Yes, indeed. If if your show tolerates the backlash of (laughs) all of the horrible things I've said, no, no, Um. no, no, they (laughs) might be delighted.
0: My guests, uh, my guests, yeah, you're the guest. My listeners would love to hear you again. We 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 had such a good back and forth, so I'd love to see you come back. And um, for more about Angela Woosley, you can go to inspiredjourneymn.com, correct?
1: It's plural, so it's Inspired Journeys.
0: Oh, thank you for correcting me. Inspired Journeys.
1: And I'm I'm just one lady, so I couldn't afford to buy all the extra other, like (laughs) redirect. Like if you type it in wrong, you're going to the wrong place.
0: (laughs) I'm having so much trouble with Inspired (laughs) Journeys. today right it's the second time no it's okay
1: You're, you you hit on the right point that it is not it does not sound like a funeral home because i wanted it to be more mm-hmm. encompassing that Everything that happens to us or that we experience at the end of our life can mm-hmm. be inspired. Yeah. It is a journey that we're taking through the unknown. It makes total
0: sense. And you're, you're trying to make people think, you know, think of death in a positive way rather than the negative way we always think of it. You know?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
0: so anyway, let's do this. Let's, let's go. Beep. Let's do it over. Um, for more about Angela, you can go to Inspired Journeys, MN. Dot com, mm-hmm. where you can watch the PBS documentary "Remembering Place: The Cemetery Story," and also watch Twin Cities Voices, Angela Woosley, and the Mortuary Science Program at the U of M, originally broadcast on the CW Twin Cities Network. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Angela, for coming again. I can't thank you enough and uh to our listeners thank you for spending time with us today and please stay tuned for more of the downright upright show in the future this is your host Philip Anthony saying ciao for now